Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you, and uh, thanks, Aaron, for that kind word that you brought there. And uh, I love Aaron. He's a, he's a good, good man, has a great heart. And uh, actually, I'm nervous today to be here to speak because, you know, he does such a great job that it's just, you know, tough to, tough to follow. But I met him when he was at a period where he had been told multiple times that his idea was wrong, basically. It's, it's how we kind of connected, like he was saying. And, and, um, and I was like, really? You know, I, I can't believe people would tell you this. It's a great idea. And, and so we began to get together, and I was able to walk him through some things. And, and so it's been exciting to watch what's been developing here through this particular body uh, simple church, this group of people. So uh, my wife, Candy, is over here to the left, and uh, she's my valentine. And uh, so uh, she's, normally she comes up and talks, but today I'm going to do all the, the talking. So you'll be able to catch her afterwards out at the table and, uh, and get to know her a little bit. We are U.S. missionaries to the people who work and live in the university districts of America, So not just here in Columbus, but we're really focused uh, to the entire nation and all the campuses as we work to develop people. Specifically, what we are about is people who, because of a particular worldview that they hold, the way they see how life should be played out, um, have rejected the idea of organized Christian faith, and along with it, they've rejected Jesus Christ and the gospel message that he brings. And so it it doesn't mean that they're not interested in a spiritual conversation. They are very interested in that. In fact, they're interested in talking about Jesus. That's not an issue either. They just aren't real hep on the whole idea of church, the way we might know what that is like. So it it means that, uh, that they perceive the organized Christian church isn't offering something they have interest in. And that's, that's kind of a description of them. We're talking about the people of the University District Village of America. What does that mean? Those are professors and administrators. They're uh, graduate students. They're coaches. They're businessmen and women who operate businesses in that particular uh, area. They're people who live there, and they could be from all walks of life. It's a, it's a really diverse group of people that we're thinking about and, and uh, what sets them apart is this issue that they approach life with a, a different mindset, especially when we compare that to what might be known in America as the average evangelical Christian mindset and how someone in that camp might think or process life. So it's a people who need to hear very much a clear presentation of the gospel. Okay, Uh, They need to hear it in a way that they can understand and process. Now, we all know that we're talking about a lot of highly educated people, right? 
And, and so, so that doesn't necessarily mean that they uh, are not smart enough to understand what we're talking about, all right? But the problem is, is sometimes you can be talking to someone and, and you can be thinking you're communicating really well with them and they're looking at you and going, huh? What are you talking about? And they have not got a clue what it is. The second part of that equation is this. It's a group of people that have to work through a lot of stuff. They have to process it. It's not like driving up to the, to the window of, of a restaurant and getting your food and driving on down the road. It's not going to be quick. It's going to be slow, methodical. They're going to ask a lot of questions. They got to think about it. They got to go home and research it. They got to do a lot of things. So it's a process, and there are people that need to hear it clearly in a way they understand and can process that message. Now, through Converge Group Coaching Center that is here in Columbus, we, we coach people to really cultivate movements. That's what we really want to do. We want to start movements. We want to help cultivate that. So we start where you are, and then we help you figure out how to grow from that point. And that's really what, what we do. We coach people to help move them forward. In our coaching, we develop a foundational understanding of how to live as a missionary. We encourage innovative ideas to come forth and, and give them a try. Don't be afraid. Uh, you know, God gave you that idea. You came across that idea for a reason. Put it into play. What's the worst that can happen? It doesn't work, right? And so we want to foster that. We want to encourage that kind of, of thing. And, and then, of course, um, we want to uh, uh, share the gospel with people and create networks with others that, that are of like mind. So help you get connected. So bottom line, what we think is this, is that every person has the potential for movement. That means you. Right here in this room, every one of us has potential for movement, to start something that goes beyond just us. To be part of something that goes beyond just a group this size. And we want to help people to, to be able to begin that process. It could be an idea that you have. It might be an impulse. It could be a dream. Just something that comes. And all it really needs is just to be cultivated a little bit. Given that opportunity to uh, become reality. And that's where we come into the picture. We help you with that through the coaching process. And uh, what we want to do is help you take your dreams and get them activated so they just don't lay there dormant like they so often do in so many situations. So you could say this about Converge Group. It is committed to the coaching process because we're really obsessed with cultivating movements. We really are obsessed with cultivating movements through people like you and, and me and, and Aaron and seeing what we can do. So that's, that's the ministry, that's the work, that's the stuff we do. And, um, and we do that here in Columbus, and it, there would be opportunity. We do all kinds of, of different types of get-togethers where we sit down and we talk through stuff, we read books. Aaron's been a part of a couple of those read book conversations, and they go pretty well. And it helps us focus our attention and thoughts. Well, today what we want to focus on is this, is we want to focus our attention on what it means to live as a missionary. 
what it means to live as a missionary. Now, the, the missionary in its most core sense is really just a sent person. It's about people who are sent out to represent another. In our particular case, we're talking about representing Jesus Christ as, as, his, as his missionary to the world around us. Now, this is really what it means at its very most base level. Missionaries are sent people sent out to represent Jesus. Now, the outflow of Jesus in our lives should, it should, did you hear that? It should. It doesn't always, but it should flow freely from us as we live in the world around us. You know, after all, the truth is this, is you don't have to train people to talk about the things they love. How many, how many people have to be trained to talk about what you really care about? I mean, you know, if you're into football, it does not take a whole lot to get you to talk about it. You know, and, and, and to be able to be part of that. If you love your kids, you can talk about your kids. You know, so you don't have to be trained to talk about what you love. You do it naturally. It just kind of happens. Are, are you hearing what I'm trying to say? It's, it's really evangelism at its most base form. You know, we make it into all these programs. We make it into all this stuff that seems plastic and artificial, and you have to memorize this list, and you have to ask all these bright questions and memorize those. And, and you try to do that, and it's like, what? It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem right. It's because it's not the way God really intended for it to be. This, this issue of evangelism ought to be just coming out of your life. Because why? Because you, you know Jesus and you love him. And he's working in you and creating things in your life. So you and I, we, we have that privilege to serve Christ. As, as his disciples, we have a, a commission from him to live as a sent person. Did you know that Jesus himself lived this way? Jesus himself was a sent person. He, he came and, and he was a missionary to this world that you and I live in. And that's, that's a reality. Here's, here's what it says in the Gospel of John. Jesus said this to his disciples, As the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. As the Father sent me, so am I sending you. He was sent by the Father to live as a missionary in this world, bringing good news. Bringing good news. So you and I are missionaries right where God has placed us in this life, and we too are commissioned to bring good news. You know, the interesting thing about the word commission is that when you are commissioned to do something, it's really not asking you if you want to. Did you, did you know that? When you're commissioned, it's whoever is kind of in charge is saying to you, hey, this is part of the deal. If you're going to follow me, this is what you do. And that's kind of what you said yes to when you said yes to Jesus, isn't it? That you would do what he wanted you to do, what he expects of you to do. And so, so when we look at that word commission, it, it means that, that you and I will do this because it's the expectation that Christ has for our lives. And, uh, and so we are missionaries bringing good news. That's what Christ has given to us. Now, some of us are vocational missionaries. Do you know what that means? It's me. It's my wife. We're vocational. It means it's our job. It's our work. And we give ourselves full time to it. 
and, and are able to do that, oftentimes because we're training, developing people, and it just requires full attention to be able to do that. That's one sense of the word. There's another sense of this word, missionary, that's really important for us to, to understand, and it's the idea that we are all given this responsibility to live as a missionary. That it's not just a few select people who get paid and have the title missionary or might have the title pastor or might have some credential on their wall that says they can do this, you know, all the time. But it's a sense of the word that every person who follows Christ is a sent person. So you and I, all of us in this room, can relate to this particular principle because he has given this job to all of us to do. So it's the idea that each is given that responsibility. Now today what we're going to do is this, is we're going to take a text of scripture from Luke chapter 19, and we're going to look at a story through which Jesus teaches us how to live as a sent person, as a missionary. And he does it with this man, his name is Zacchaeus, I don't know, you might be familiar with that. But let's go ahead and start reading. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and uh, we'll, we'll just kind of work our way through this to grab some key principles that Christ gave us about how to live this way. Jesus entered Jericho, <coughs> and he made it through the town, and there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he'd become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore tree beside the road, for the, Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. We're going to pause right there because there's, we, we have a tendency when we read the Bible, we read right over really important things and don't always catch them. So, so let's make sure we're catching what's going on. Jesus calls out to Zacchaeus and what he's really doing is he's extending uh, friendship to this man. He's saying to him, hey, I want to start a relationship with you. I want to I become your friend. That's really what he's doing. And, and that doesn't seem like a big deal if we don't know anything about Zacchaeus. But by the end of today, we'll know more about him and you'll realize this is a really huge deal. Jesus is actually changing the course of the way the Jewish people looked at things. And it's a huge adjustment for them to be able to take. So, so he comes to this man, and he extends friendship to him, and, and he's beginning to say to him, Hey, Zacchaeus, I, I want to I be your friend. In fact, I want to come to your house today, right now. Now think about it for a second. If you have a home, you probably you instantly go through your mind and think, Wait a minute, are the dishes done? Are things picked up? Is it presentable? You know, Jesus, let's just meet at the restaurant. That would be a whole lot better. Right? Yeah. What's happening here that, that I picked up on this as I was, was working my way through it is that um, Jesus is kind of self-inviting himself. That's kind of bold, isn't it? I mean, really, and if you know the customs of the day, that was, that was kind of bold. And so Jesus is kind of imposing himself into the situation. And I think we, we need to catch that if we're going to live as a sin person. Sometimes it's not comfortable. 
Sometimes you have to kind of insert yourself into somebody's life. You're extending friendship, and you have to go that extra step and say, I'll, I'll come to where you are. I'll come to the restaurant you like. I'll come to your house. I'll show up at your event where you don't know anyone and you don't have any relationships with people. Let's go on. Zacchaeus, it says in verse 6, quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. I'm glad the Bible actually gives us some of these descriptive types of words that help us catch a little bit more about it. Zacchaeus' response to Jesus is excitement and joy. He likes this idea. Oh, you want to be my friend. Oh, you want to, you want to get to know me. Oh, you want to come over. And, and he's getting excited about it. And the Bible says that he climbed down quickly. And, and so there's this sense of, of something's happening. And don't you know, though, whenever something good is happening, there's always a killjoy. You know what a killjoy is? You know, somebody that wants to just, you know, downer Debbie or somebody, you know, they just want to, they want to kill whatever good thing is happening. It goes on and says in verse 7, but the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. So Zacchaeus, he's full of excitement. He's got all this joy. Jesus is, is offering friendship to this, this guy, Zacchaeus. Good things are happening. It's going the right way. Man, there is synergy happening in this moment. And then the people, do you know who the people are? Because if you don't know who they are, you can't relate to it or understand it. They're the religious people of Jericho. That's who they are. In today's language, we would call them the church. Don't you know religious people can kill anything? <laughs> Come on, we've all experienced it, right? We know exactly what that is. Religious people kill anything. I mean, they just do. And so the religious people are there, and they're displeased, and that displeasure is growing in them, and something bad is taking place. They're not happy about this relationship. They don't want Jesus to like Zacchaeus. They don't want him going to his house. They don't want this to happen. And their displeasure moves from their minds and in their hearts, and it comes out their mouth, and they grumble about it. And why is that so important? The Bible tells us that. Because these people began to infect other people. That's why. See, when you speak it, when you grumble about it, not only are you going to have to deal with it, but so does the person next to you. And the only reason you're grumbling about it is for one thing, and that is you want other people to be in the misery that you're experiencing at that moment. Instead of going to Jesus and saying, hey, what is with this? Why did you do this? They're grumbling about it. 
can't fix it, can't do anything about it. They just don't like it, and they're making their displeasure known. They're grumbling about it. Meanwhile, verse 8 says, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord, and he said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. While the people are grumbling, the religious people, the church, are complaining and grumbling and displeased, guess what's happening to the man Zacchaeus that Jesus said, hey, I want to be your friend. He's being transformed. Jesus refers to the same kind of change in a person's life in John chapter 3 when he says that you must be born again. Paul refers to this in a way that I think we can understand even a little bit better in Ephesians chapter 4. He refers to us as a new creation. Like, you're brand new, man. Zacchaeus is being transformed in this moment. How do we know that? Well, listen to it. I will give half my wealth to the poor, and if I've cheated people in our tax, I'll give them back four times as much. Come on, man. Aaron, you know as well as I do. When people start opening their wallets, something would happen. Because it's like the last thing to ever open up. When they get the checkbook out, you know something went down. Transformation is happening to this man Zacchaeus. And Jesus responds this way Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. That last phrase. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. It captured me one day when I was in my devotions time. I was sitting on my back porch in, in my house there in Boardman in the Youngstown area. And uh, uh, looking out over this ravine, it, it, it kind of wrapped around on two sides of my house. And so I looked out and all it was was trees with a little stream going down. You, you get the idea? Wonderful place to sit and read and pray and meditate and just relax, you know. And it was a spring, early spring day, late April. As I'm reading this phrase, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Just arrested my attention. I had to think about it, and I don't have time today to go through all the thoughts that I, I kind of went through. But let me sum it up with this. It affected me so much that my life changed on that day. I was pastoring a church of roughly 300 people, a little over that. I'd been in ministry for probably close to 20 years. So it wasn't like, you know, I haven't been in this thing for a while. I had been a Christian uh, probably for a good 30, 35 years at that point. And it grabbed a hold of me, and it changed me as a follower of Jesus. It changed me as a husband, as a father. It changed me as a minister in the church of Christ. I needed to understand this. I needed to know better. I needed to live it out in my life because I recognized in that moment that the Son of Man, that means Jesus, Son of Man, it's another term for Christ, 
the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost, and I wasn't. I spent almost my entire life with Christians. Do you know how boring that is? How unproductive that can be. And I love Christians. But sometimes when we get isolated amongst just ourselves, we lose sight of the very thing that God has started. We lose sight of Jesus and what he told us to do. The simple, pure message he gave us to do. Let me give you some backdrop. Zacchaeus was an extremely wealthy Jew, and he got that way because he served in Jericho as the chief tax collector there in the town, the city. Which meant this, he had to collect all the taxes that Rome imposed on the people of Israel. So Rome would conquer you militarily, And then they would impose taxes to keep you conquered. In essence, Zacchaeus' job was to collect money from you to keep you enslaved to the state of Rome. That's what this guy Zacchaeus did. And the Jews resented him for it. They didn't like what Zacchaeus was doing. So this chief tax collector was disliked by mainstream Judaism. He was a man the Jews considered a traitor, someone not worth looking for. In fact, they so disdained it. This is as bad as it gets if you're, if you're a Jew. They didn't think he was a son of Abraham, which meant you were no longer part of the group. You were no longer a follower of God, of Yahweh. That's what they thought about Zacchaeus. Okay? That's the heart they had. But Jesus steps into this living as a sent person, as a missionary in this world, came to seek and to save a guy like that. That's the setting in which Jesus has stepped into. And that's where he changes the course because it's never been done this way before. He had every right to ignore and forget about Zacchaeus. That's the way the religious people handled these things. And it was considered to be okay. He was changing the course as he teaches us uh, the steps of extending friendship and boldness and self-invitation as he takes us to that next step Two more things. Let me share very quickly. First of all, to seek. Jesus said that we should seek those who are lost. This is what it means to seek. To seek is to go in search or quest of something. It's to look purposely for it. That's what it means. To go in quest, to search for it, to look purposefully for whatever it is you are seeking after. You desire it. Jesus said he came to seek the lost, and there's nothing casual about his search. They're always on his mind. 
It's purposeful. Living as a sent person, Jesus sought out Zacchaeus and he looked up with purpose into that tree. That's what missionaries do, folks. They live their lives seeking after those who are lost, hanging out in a tree somewhere. Maybe not always wanting to be seen, noticed, pulled out, recognized, but they're there and they're interested and they need to hear. But that's not all. Jesus said he came to save. To save is to rescue from danger, harm, injury, or loss with an intent to keep it. We save things that have great value to us. Jesus said he came to save the lost. Just looking isn't enough. Sometimes we look and then we stop. Zacchaeus was a person who lost his way and Jesus came to save him. Jesus, living as a missionary, sent to this people, wanted to rescue Zacchaeus from his own bad decisions and where they had brought him to. That's what missionaries do. They value people and want to save them regardless of how they got there. And we're missionaries. That's not vocational missionary. That's just the general sense of being a missionary. That's the reason Candy and I stepped away from a church that we loved and we served for 23 years to go into the world influenced by the university where God's not honored and the gospel is not easily embraced. We want to befriend people, share with them our life, look purposely for them as we seek them out, and hopefully, if they choose, will be able to help save some of those who may not even know they're lost. As a vocational missionary, we're asking you to help us out to get that job done. How? Here's, here's a few simple things. Through prayer, if you stop at our table, we'll give you a little bookmark. Everybody can have one of those if you want. And uh, just to remind you, pray for the Bennetts. They, they need help, God. They need your assistance. Financial support, Aaron has been generous and opened that up to us and said that we could, could include you in that. And uh, if you'd like to stand with us monthly or one-time gifts, there's different ways you can do that. But uh, we'd love to have you join us as a financial partner. And, um, or maybe you'd be interested in joining us in the mission and you'd say, man, I really, I really wanna go after highly educated, liberal, wealthy people. I, I could dig that, you know? That's what God wired me for. I don't fit. I think like they do. Whatever, we'll, we'll develop you. We'll coach you through it and get you ready and send you out with a group of other people. And lastly, if you want to just keep up with us, you can sign up for our email. We send it out once a month. And uh, we don't spam you, man. We don't send it, your name. We don't sell it. Boy, you can make money, but, but we resist that temptation. And we just send you our stuff, and that's it. 
Just stop by the table, talk with us. We'd be glad to share that with you. And remember, uh, remember what Christ has given you to do and to live as a sent person. Step up to the plate, start doing it. That's what will change this place. You want to change your worship services? You want to be filled with tons of excitement? It's good this morning. You want to go over the top of that? Just start winning people to Christ. Start showing them how to live for Jesus. Be their friend, and you'll have a story to tell. Aaron. Thank you, David. Well, I'm going to close today's service, but I want to challenge you. I, I, I want to commission you to begin to live your life as a missionary. David shared a message, and you're like, well, I'm not called to vocational work, missionary, missional work, and that's okay. There are simple mission fields that you are already in. There's probably a mission field tonight that you've been invited to go to. It's called the Super Bowl. There's probably a party somebody's invited you to go to, and you've said, ah, they're not really my people. They're not really my friends. But maybe you can go. Maybe you can get into their world and have an opportunity. You know, Kate, sitting right here, she could have said, ah, the homeless is not really my people. Kate's going. She's finding. She's looking for them. Having incredible conversations. She's found four people. She's seeking the lost. You'll have opportunities. You see somebody broken down on the road. You go to a bank teller. You go to a restaurant, to a coffee shop. Dear Lord, we go to coffee shops. Your barista is your mission field. That place can be your mission field. Lunch with your family on Sundays can be your mission field. I want to challenge you to begin to live a life on mission. Begin to seek. If you're so busy with, with the, what's going on in your world, begin to pray that God clears that junk away, the clutter away, so that you can see people clearly. So that we can seek and see Jesus save the lost. Let's pray. If you're here today and you'd say, Aaron, I, I want that commission. I want to respond to that, but I need to see people. I need God to speak into my life and show me what needs to be cleared away. If you're ready to live your life on mission, would you just let me know? I'm going to pray a prayer, and I would love to include you in that. If you're a Christ follower and you'd say, I'm not, I, maybe I've not been living my life on mission very well, or... I want to begin. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up and let me know you're here? That's me. I want to live life on mission. That's awesome. It's hands all over this place. It's awesome. Father, I pray for these, Lord, that are going to take this challenge to live their life on mission today. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes so that they can see the lost, so that they can see the people that are trying to not be seen like Zacchaeus was in the tree. Lord, and when they see them, I pray that you would give them boldness, to speak to them like Jesus did. Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your house. Give them the boldness to go and to be their friends and to introduce them to Jesus. God, do this work in us. This is, this is an incredible thing. And we don't want to take it lightly. We need your power at work in us to help us do it. God, give us your Holy Spirit. 
Now, if you're here today and you'd say, Aaron, I'm not a Christ follower, but, but Jesus came to seek those that were lost, that's it. He didn't come for the religious, for the people that had it all together. He came for the people who were broken, who were hurting. In fact, when he went to Zacchaeus' house, he didn't tell Zacchaeus, you need to get your act together before I come over your house, boy. He said, just as you are, I'm going to come to your place. And right now, just as you are, Jesus wants to come to your place. Right where you're at. You don't need to clean yourself up. You don't need to change who you are. You don't need to be someone different. Right now, who you are is who he loves. And in this moment, if you would like to receive Christ, to receive the gift that God has given us in his son, to become a Christ follower and begin that journey, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to be included on that prayer, would you just shoot your hand in the air and let me know? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know where you're at. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can pray it out loud, or you can just pray it in your head, but you need to mean it. If you're listening through podcast, you can join us now. If you're deciding to give your life to Christ, if you're watching by Periscope, now is your moment. Don't miss out. I'm going to pray this prayer. Join us. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you came to this world, and you died a brutal death on the cross, and that you rose again in three days from the dead. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Be Lord of my life. I need you, Jesus.